1 Samuel 18. 1 Samuel 18. Now, last week we saw the prince of Israel, Jonathan, took a huge step in making a statement of commitment to David. Now, David, although we know more about him, the reality was his background was it was very meager. You know, he didn't have much going for him. He was the youngest brother, and, and yet Jonathan loved David as himself. And it mentions it even twice in, in the text. He loved him as himself and ended up acknowledging that he was for David and he took off his robes, his, his princely robes. He took off his weaponry. He took off his belt. And he gave it all to David, signifying, you know what? I am humbling myself. I'm behind you being the next king of Israel. This is not going to be about me. And I'm going to do everything I can to defend you and to support you. And that, that was Jonathan's posture toward David. And I want to look at this text. I'm going to give you a little bit larger reading here this morning. I'm going to read it for you in chapter 18, starting in verse 6. <coughs> Excuse me. And we're going to look down through verse 25. I'm actually going to go beyond that, but can I read that for you here? Get a little idea of what's going on. So after Jonathan affirms his love and commitment to David through a covenant, here's how the narrative continues. Verse 6, it says, When the men... We're returning home after David had killed the Philistine. The women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. And they danced. As they danced, they sang this. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Now, friends, let me just boop put the car in park for a second, this is not going to go over well with King Saul. As nice of a song as it may have been for the women to sing, this became a juggernaut. So let's read and find out how. Verse 8, Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. Here's what he said. They've credited David with thousands, tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands, what more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. And the next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre, as he usually did. And Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice, and Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David but had departed from Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men, and David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him, but all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. And Saul said to David, here's my older daughter, Merib. I will give you to her in marriage. 
Only serve me bravely and fight the battles of the Lord. For Saul said to himself, I will not raise a hand against him. I'll let the Philistines do that. But David said to Saul, Who am I? What is my family or my clan in Israel that I should become the king's son-in-law? So when the time came for Merib, Saul's daughter, to be given to David, she was actually given in marriage to Adriel of Maholah. Now Saul's daughter Michael was in love with David, and when they told Saul about it, he was pleased. I will give her to him, he thought, so that she may be a snare to him and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. So Saul said to David, now you have a second opportunity to become my son-in-law. Notice the manipulation. Then Saul ordered his attendants, speak to David privately and say, look, the king likes you and his attendants and all love you. Now become his son-in-law. And they repeated these words to David, but David said, do you think it's a small matter to become the king's son-in-law? I'm a poor man and little known. When Saul's servants told him what David had said, Saul replied, say to David, the king wants no other price for the bride than a hundred Philistine foreskins to take revenge on his enemies. Saul's plan was to have David fall by the hands of the Philistines. Notice that. What a crazy turn of events. How wild Saul became with David's successes. So let's just look at this for a couple moments. I just want to give you the feel for the text, and then we're going to come down to some applications as we work along. Here's what we saw right from the beginning. Whatever David touched turned to gold. This guy had golden fingers. Everything he touched. And as he did this, we notice a few things about him. I just need to move through these quickly for you. When he, when he excelled, number one, he excelled in position. I mean, we see David just going boom, 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 boom through the ranks of the army in Israel. He excelled in position. He excelled in power. And there was a song we saw that the women sang, and, and it wasn't all hyperbole. I mean, the reality is David was really racking up the victories on behalf of Israel. And then the third thing, obviously he was excelling in popularity. Quickly on the heels of his power and position, he became very popular, and hence this song Everyone was pleased with David. It mentions in all of Israel and all Judah. And then this song, the repeated refrain, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And here's the reality of it. Why did everything David did turn out well? Well, the text mentions it in a number of places and I'm just gonna give it to you here. This theme that we've been talking about all the way through this understanding and narrative of David. Here's what it is. It's that verse from back in chapter 16. We talked about it a month ago. It says, you know, the Lord doesn't see things. He doesn't look at the things that people look at. 
People look at the outward appearance. Are you with me? But the Lord looks at what? He looks at the heart. God sees things differently. Why did everything David touched turn to gold? And the reality wasn't anything about David himself. The text says it over and over again. God was with him. God was in his life. So I just want to, if I can, just mention to you quickly. God works in us. We may have heard this in the past. He works in us not because of our ability, but because of our availability. The big deal about us is not us. The scriptures mention over and over, his great power works in us to do of his good pleasure. The greatest gifts come from him. And our successes, whatever they may be, do not belong on our resume, but ought to be rather a declaration to God of his great power, his great might, his great grace to work in people like you and me and David and other people that even admittedly, hey, who are we? But God doesn't look at the outward. He looks at the inward. The Bible mentions, you know, whenever God does something in us, for from him to him and through him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Text says, amen. So it's all about Jesus. That was the story of David's life. His successes became his upswing. But can we talk about it for a second? His successes became Saul's downward spiral. There was immense jealousy. And so we see because of David's popularity, Saul turned jealous. I just want to mention two things, and we're going to talk about this in depth a little bit more. You know, our successes, our successes can be our downfall in pride. Here's the deal of this account today. Others' successes can be our downfall in jealousy. Have you ever felt jealous? Okay, all two of you have here today. That's great. I'm just going to admit to you, um, I felt jealous even over spiritual things. You know, one has said that beauty contests didn't start in Hollywood or Atlantic City. Beauty contest started when the second woman came to the earth. When there was someone to compare with. And who's better? I mean, I have been crazy jealous at times. I remember one time, it's a deer season, it's probably 25 years ago, I shot a spike buck and I was so excited about it. I was hunting with a friend and I put it in the back of my vehicle and I drove home. My chest was puffed out and I'm thinking, this is the coolest thing. And I got home and I pulled in the driveway and there laying in the driveway was an 11 point buck with my dad standing behind it. (laughs) 
And I'm just here to tell you and confess, and Dad, if you're watching online, here's the reality. I was jealous. I almost just kept my spike buck in, the, in my vehicle, <laughs> didn't pull him out. Remember one time I got second place in a singing competition. Oh, that burned me. He's not better than me. I'm better than him. You know, I even remember after a special speaker in church, and people are like, oh, wasn't that special speaker great? Oh, he just ministered to my heart. I could listen to him every week. And I'm thinking, hello? <laughs> Come on. You felt jealous. You're not really admitting it too much here this morning. You felt jealous. How about you say it with me? I felt jealousy. Would you just say it? Say, here we go. I felt jealousy. Yeah. A couple of you didn't say it. <laughs> so why don't you turn the person next to you and say, you felt jealousy. Here we go. You f- That's a lot more fun to do that, isn't it? We've all felt it. If you have a pulse and there's another person in your world, you have inevitably fallen for this. And Saul totally fell for it. He went down a path and it ruined him. So I just want to talk about this for a few minutes. This is what jealousy does. Jealousy leads one down the path to, and I'm going to give you a few things, leads us down the path to anger. If you're in chapter 18 and you saw right after this refrain that the women were singing, and then all of a sudden it says in verse 8, Saul was very angry. And, And so the Hebrew word here means this. It means to burn to glow with anger, and it describes in an informative way, unlike other words for anger, this one turns to the fire. Oh, it burns inside. It's not just a quick, you know, I was ticked, but I'm over it. This is something that continued to percolate inside. He was hot. And it's that heat and that burning before any sense of control takes over before rational thought can be processed and this is where jealousy takes us with others one has written this and i love the quote it says those who are green with envy will inevitably become red with anger true i've been there you've been there here's another thing jealousy with Saul, and it's the same with us, leads us down the path to desiring ruin, harm, or death on another. Come on. I remember sitting in the singing competition thinking, oh, I hope his voice cracks. We end up thinking things about others and, and I just walked through this, chapter 18. Here's the things that Saul did. He threw a spear to pin David to the wall. This is the king of Israel. 
He put David in military campaigns hoping he would die in battle. He sent him to fight the Philistines trusting they would kill David. You know he's got a problem. He gave him his daughter for marriage hoping she would be a snare for him. Really? He established the dowry for his daughter to be a hundred Philistine foreskins. And the reason why, listen to this in verse 25. It says, Saul's plan was to have David fall by the hands of the Philistines. Jealous people enjoy the demise of those who succeed. It's not enough that they may succeed, others must fail. And and one has said this about jealousy, and it's true. Jealousy always finds a target at which to shoot and a reason to pull the trigger. That was Saul. So jealousy leads to anger, it leads to desiring ruin, harm, or death on another. And then this is the biggie. This is the real root issue here. This is the big problem. It also leads us down the path to opposing God's plans. So Saul ended up on the other side of God. Like he was the one who was going up against everything that God was trying to do. And his preoccupation with the harm of David caused him to be more intent on carrying out his plan rather than God's will. And so, you know, David didn't just put himself, or Saul didn't just put himself against David. Saul was putting himself against God. And what a position to be wrapped up in. Our own selfish perspective that we never give thought to maybe God's trying to raise someone up. Maybe God's trying to help that individual for the sake of his kingdom. Maybe it's not just me that God wants to work in. Maybe there's another one, and I shouldn't be opposing God and be on the opposite sideline with God. And I just want to give you these things. You know, what Saul lost at the hand of jealousy, he lost a number of things. We lose the same thing. He lost his perspective. He lost his perspective. Jonathan would talk to his dad Michael, his daughter, would talk to her dad. But he just blew his whole perspective on what God was doing. He lost his family. Jonathan and Michael, he, he, lost, he lost his kids. He lost his sanity. It was evident to all he was not thinking straight in any way but the biggest thing he lost and this is the reality of it he lost God's blessing he lost God's blessing he lost God's presence everything that God had done in him all the way through his kingdom gone can I can I give you this visual it's also a quote I'm going to throw up there jealousy like a like a boomerang You may throw it at others thinking you will injure them. Ultimately, it comes back on you. It's done it to me. It's done it, obviously, to Saul. 
This was his ruin. This was his demise where he was with all that. So since we all feel it, we're all on the same page, we've all experienced it, we need to work through this together. So there's some remedies I want to give you. Can we, can we talk about those? Here's some remedies for the sin of jealousy. We see many of them right in the text, but I just want to give this to you. This is really special. Number one, best remedy for the sin of jealousy is the active presence of God's Spirit. The active presence of God's Spirit. Um, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. You know the first one? The fruit of the Spirit is, is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the last one, self-control. You see it with jealousy, it's like all of them go out the window. We need the active presence of God's Spirit in our lives to deal with the problems that we have inside. To be open to his nudging, to be in his word, to have other people around us that are close to God who can nudge us as well. I put down here, the closer we are to our humble and selfless Savior and Rescuer, the more we look like him in our toughest moments of pride and jealousy, we need the active presence of God's Spirit. I want to give you some tangible ways to battle jealousy. Here's one from Jonathan. Love others more, love self less. Love others more, love self less. If anyone should have been jealous... In chapter 18, it should be Jonathan. It was his future crown that was going. It was his position that was being lost. Jonathan should have been the one that was all up in arms. But you know what Jonathan did, as we saw last week? He took off his robe, took his tunic, he took his armor, and he gave it to David and said, here you go. It's, it's yours. He was humble. He was selfless. And the reason, the big reason, it says he loved David. One of the best things we can do in our moments of jealousy that we all experience is focus on loving others. Let me give you this one. This is even tougher. Praise others' accomplishments. Isn't that one? They got first place in the singing competition. You deserved it. You were so good. You got the 11-point buck, and I got the spike. You didn't deserve it. You got, no. What a great take. That was awesome. Yours makes mine look like a baby. Good for you. 
the guest speaker I know, he's, isn't he great? I could listen to him every week too. He is great. I read a quote, it says, for one man who sincerely pities others' misfortunes, there are a thousand who sincerely hate others' successes. I don't know why. But instead of hating their successes, praise them. Good for you. I'm with you. This isn't all about me. So love others more. Love self less. Praise others' accomplishments. I, I just want to um, agree with others as they credit the work of others. So now we're getting into another layer. If someone says, you know who's great? This other person's great. Pile on. I agree with you. I'm with you. They are. Look at what God's doing in their life. Pile on. Don't say, yeah, well, you know what I do? Let's forget about us. Pile on. Here's another one. Remember, God gets the credit. So what if others don't recognize you? Ooh, that's a tough one. But let's give God the credit no matter what. And if people don't say, hey, great job, you know what? You just step back and say, God gets the credit anyway. I would defer and deflect to him. And then here's the last one I want to give you. Remember, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We want grace, people. God's grace. And he resists those who put themselves first. And that's the root of jealousy. It's pride. I deserve this. I'm better. I should have that. I shouldn't have people above me. You know, I, 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 and we will try to cover pride up, give it a spiritual slant. It's also pride. And by protecting this cancer within us of pride and jealousy, we will be assured it will consume us. It will, every time. So would you stand with me? We don't see things like God, like the world does. We should see things like God does at the heart. Ultimately, to be like our selfless Savior. There's no better picture of his selflessness than the cross. Giving up himself because he loved others. May that be our theme also with jealousy enough of us enough of me more of god more of others would you pray with me in your heart father enough of me enough of myself enough of my pride Father, I relinquish me and my expectations so that way you can use others even more. Grow others. Help them succeed because it's your kingdom and your glory that we want. God, help me to be on the cheering side of others' successes. 
and not the one trying to pull him down. Help us to say goodbye to self. Would you pray that in your heart right now? I'll give you 20 seconds of silence. Pray in your heart, enough of me, more of God, more of others. Father, that is, that's our heart. Make us a humble church. A God-focused and others-focused church. Start with me. Start with us. And grow your kingdom. Help us to be more like Jesus. And it is in his name and for his sake that we pray. You with me, folks? Amen? Yeah, amen. One has said, pride ruins Satan. It ruins Samson. It ruins Saul. And it'll ruin self. Because it destroys from the inside out. Be others focused and God focused.